Do you know what senioritis is? Senioritis is that feeling that, you know what, you're going to graduate soon. Why am I paying attention? And shamefully, I walked in today to do the show having that feeling because Fingers Molloy and I are just days away from being in Vegas for the Premium Cigar Association trade show. It is cigar porn. It's going to be nuts. We've got interviews. We're going to be smoking cigars. We already have the dinner reservation set up. It's going to be insane. And I'm like, I, I just, I don't know. I just, I just, I just want to go. I just want to be on the plane. I just want to be in Vegas. Let's go already. And then Finger says, but Tony, we need to do this. And he holds up the Arturo Fuente Opus X Petite Corona, the perfection number five. And I said, oh, I love this show. <laughs> it's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz. That right there is America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. How the hell did you decide on this today? Well, we were talking to Corey Johnson uh, of Blend Bar Cigar in Indianapolis, and he was discussing how the, the trend is lately people are gravitating toward the, the, the smaller ring gauges on the cigars. And I mentioned how much I liked, uh, you know, a Lancero. We've talked often about how we love both it. love uh, a good Lancero. And he said, well, if you like Lanceros, uh, you know, the, the movement is it's, the trends are going towards these smaller ring gauges. I got something for you. I got something for you. And then he brought this over. The Opus X Perfection Number 5 is a 4 and 7 eighths by 40 cigar called the Petit Corona. It means it's 4 and 7 eighths inches long. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a 40 ring gauge. That's the diameter of the cigar, basically how thick it is around. So uh, a, a 64 ring gauge would be a full inch around. We like to play in the 4852s. That's really my comfort level. Uh, then you start moving into the Lonsdales and those 44 ring gauges. Then you would go all the way down to a 38 for a Lancero. So this is right in that Lancero ring gauge, but not in a Lancero size. Lancero would be a 7-inch cigar. This is not even a Robusto size. No, no it's, it's, it's not. And what concerns me about it is, uh, for me, because I smoke way too quickly, uh, I may be done with this cigar before the end of the segment. <laughs> now, this is not for the faint of heart. The trend is really fascinating. And, I, and, and, and to hear it from somebody who is, you know, day in and day out with the public selling cigars, it, it, it's interesting to learn. The smaller ring gauges are seen as dainty cigars. So not American. We want, we want to be like Hannibal and the A-Team, and we want to feel the cigar. And we're, come on, boys, and we're playing golf and doing all the things. Flavor comes from the wrapper. So when you have a cigar that has a smaller ring gauge, it's less binder and less filler in the cigar. It's more wrapper. Therefore, by, by definition, it is more flavor. For a four and seven-eighths inch cigar, this is a full-bodied cigar, Dominican throughout on, on, on this. That's what you're going to find. And it just, I mean, we just lit this up. And I don't even know if you could do this in thirds. You know, normally we tell you, <laughs> you, you get out your, your notebook. What did you eat that day? What did you drink that day? Humid day in Indianapolis, Indiana. And then a first third, second third, final third. Just break your cigar up into thirds. And what are those flavor profiles? I think you go first third, final third, right? It's, it's or half and half, if, if you will. And off the bat, there is this, this, this wonderful wood with an undercurrent of, of lusciousness and, and leather, like under the, under the tongue, per, perfect. Yeah, yeah, a, a little bit of pepper for me, uh, that wood that you, you're describing, a little bit of cocoa. Uh, 
I this, want, what I take as luscious leather, I wonder if you take as cocoa. I could be. Yeah, that's but, interesting. But, you know, it's funny that we're, we're going out to the, the Premium Cigar Association trade show in Las Vegas because I look at this cigar as a, a perfect casino cigar. Because, you know, if you're out playing, uh, you know, the machines or whatever, I, I've noticed whenever I have a, a big cigar, uh, people immediately get turned off, you know, like, oh, oh no, there's a, a cigar smoker here, which is nice for me because then a lot of times I'll get a full bank of uh, poker machines by myself. Right. But this, I think if you're not a cigar smoker, people won't be turned off by being around this stick. Uh, so, you know, I, I must tell you, hearing you say that, you worry way too much about other people in a casino. Tell them to move. <laughs> Smoke the cigar you want. I actually would not have this in, in a casino for two reasons. First, there's a, a, a remarkable complexity uh, here that I may want to enjoy. It's, it's, and two, it's not big enough for the casino. Uh, I want something that is a little more prominent in the hand so I remember I'm holding it because mm. I'm doing other things. And number three, this is a four and seven eighths by 40 uh, cigar. It's $20 a stick. And if I've got a four and seven eighths inch cigar that I somehow drop or drop into my nonsense free drink because I happen to hit three twos <laughs> just once, I'm going to scream and lose my head for 20 bucks. And you know I'm not afraid to pay for a cigar. I, I know you are. Daddy will put out in this conversation, <laughs> fingers for I'm daddy. I, I see. Um, I, I can't. I need, I need to have the space to be able to take this in. It, it's, it's such a weird mind scrabble. By the way, the wrapper on this is, is this, is this, I think it's a Colorado. So it's, 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 this one is a palish brown and it doesn't even feel great in the hand. There is a touch of oil on it, but doesn't feel great, but it smokes brilliant. Like this is stupid. Yeah. What's funny is the band is so, it's so large. <laughs> it feels like it takes up half the cigar. Uh, but no, I, for, for me, uh, and I don't want to keep talking about the casino. Uh, even well, though yes, the you do. On, How excited? Wait, mind. stop. How excited are you? Oh, it's 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 ridiculous. We get in right that first night. We've got the dinner reservation. Will you sleep that night at all? Uh, well, yes, I will. Because between uh, the hours I, of five a.m. and five forty-five a.m., I have a passion for eat, drink, smoke nation. Tony Hats, and I want to make sure that I am. Uh, fresh as a daisy for all the things we're going to be doing, the content we're providing for Eat, Drink, Smoke Nation. First first night in Vegas, how many hours of video poker? Probably six. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll take it I'll take it easy on Lady Liquor that night. Oh, is that right? I gotta be up early the next you're, day. You're a great American. It's true. The, I do it for you people. The Arturo Puente Opus X Perfection number five. I, I will admit to you that this is not one in my humidor. This is just not my comfort level in smoking. Lanceros are. So this is, when, when I am discussing the cigar, this isn't about whether or not this isn't a lovely, constructed, put-together smoke with flavors I enjoy. You know, I like the woods. I like the cedars. It just doesn't work for me. So There's for, a comfort level. So for you, it's, it's not the ring gauge. It's the length. It's length. And, and the and the cost when it comes to I, when you when you put this all together, I mean, like you said, the fra flavor profile it, it's very nice. But is it the fact the, that the, you, the price bothers me less than the the size? Okay, right. It's just I'm just not comfortable with it. And you can argue, Tony, that's crazy. And I'll say to you, yes, I agree. Now what? If you look at my humidor fingers, Malloy, you won't find uh, robustos. 
It's just not where I live and breathe. It's a very, very rare, rare Vitola for me. That doesn't mean that the cigar isn't a splendid Dominican throughout from Fuente, the Opus X Perfection Number no. 5. The important part is you got to try things. You got to try things that are out of your comfort level, out of your comfort zone. You have to see what people are doing and so you can learn to appreciate what it is that they're thinking. Because a lot of work went into creating a blend on a cigar this small. More to get to, everybody. It's hard to describe how big a win this is, guys. And I'm not talking about anything Supreme Court related. No, no, no. I'm talking about the FDA being told that they can't screw with cigars. This is huge, huge stuff for the industry and for people like you and me, the people who enjoy cigars. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. Tony Katz, America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. What happened was uh, is that the court ruled that the FDA acted improperly in regulation of premium cigars and fingers. As we often discuss, they try to mess with this industry because they really want to go after cigarettes. They like to go after vaping, and cigars is neither of those things. No, it's not. And to see the kind of uh, work that goes into coming out with a new cigar, uh, the red tape that's involved, to increase the red tape like the FDA wanted to, it's great to see that this was struck down. So this was a U.S. District Court. For the District of Columbia, there were three different groups that engaged this lawsuit. Cigar Association of America, Cigar Rights of America, to which I am a lifetime member, and the Premium Cigar Association. Uh, so we grabbed, uh, if you ever check out some video series uh, I do, I do a daily video series over at Rumble.com. And uh, I had a chance to talk to Josh Abersky, who is the federal affairs guy for the Premium Cigar Association, to kind of break down what this decision is because it has two major points of impact one on the manufacturer and one on the retailer of course it affects us right we're the people who are going to enjoy the cigar but now we get to have to ensure that we get the cigars so i spoke with him earlier about what this means anytime the fda the food and drug administration is found to be arbitrary and capricious that is a win for you me and we that is good stuff what this means though is far greater than just a, a little bit of uh, smackdown of the FDA. Anytime you could smack down the FDA, all right, I'll take that. I'm, I'm not uh, shy about that, but what does it actually mean? Let me bring in right here uh, Josh Habersky, Joshua Habersky, who is the Director of Federal Affairs for the PCA, the Premium Cigar Association. I'm actually heading out in a couple days to the big PCA show, huge trade show. It's cigar-born, people. It is ridiculous. You got the manufacturers uh, there, right? You got retailers there. People are trying cigars. It's going to be terrific. But I want to go through this, Josh. Explain to people what the deeming rule is and explain what happened here because the FDA was doing two things, over-regulating an industry, and then in some respects, this is my words, maybe not your words, engaging a bit of manipulation about the data of that industry. So let's start with what this deeming rule is and what happens. Yeah, absolutely. So Tony, I, I, I want to just say when we are out in Vegas, we're going to have to enjoy a victory cigar together because this is a great occasion. And you're absolutely right. With the, the deeming rule, you had a uh, series of overreaches by the Food and Drug Administration. And, um, you know, I, I look at this and the previous lawsuits with uh, warning labels, and also with pre-market review and substantial equivalents, the industry is 3-0. and 0. Uh, 
Um, and, uh, you know, it was determined that the deeming rule was arbitrary and capricious. What the deeming rule actually is, is FDA extending its authority over premium cigars and over, over tobacco products in, in 2016, in particular with premium cigars. And, um, you know, the judge in his decision said that the FDA neglected to look at pertinent e evidence of the patterns of use and also manipulated some of the data around youth access. So their information was not accurate. Um, and, um, you know, it ultimately violated the Administrative Procedures Act. So, so now they, that the FDA was the ones engaged in violating procedures. But this is all about how cigars get regulated. And this is why the conversation matters so much. As we discuss it, you guys know that in addition to the work I, I, I do here, of course, I do uh, Eat, Drink, Smoke, the Cigar and Bourbon Show, stations all across the country, the podcast, uh, which is you can get on all your podcast platforms, Eat, Drink, Smoke. You can find us absolutely everywhere, eatdrinksmokeshow.com. They try to lump cigars in with cigarettes, and it's this constant conversation of, we have to regulate tobacco. We've seen them trying to engage in regulating vaping. They actually tried to take Juul out of the market. There's now been a stay on that uh, decision, and Juul is still in the market. But we don't engage so much the vaping conversation or the cigarette conversation. Those are different worlds for different people. We're just talking about how the cigars gets lumped in. And so that's been the problem, that people who really don't take the time to know how the industry is fundamentally different than those other industries – Try and put all smoking in together. So in your words, Josh, how is it different? How are cigars different than the others? Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the data that was submitted and some of the arguments that our partner organization, Cigar Rights of America, uh, presented, we presented through our, our uh, litigator, Michael Edney, we're talking about patterns of use. People infrequently smoke cigars. They also will have their first cigar at a much older age. This isn't a youth product. Uh, this is something that is occasional. People celebrate uh, at, a, at a tailgate of a football game or, or a special occasion. Uh, so, you know, the, the patterns of use um, are, are a critical difference. Also, you know, the presentation. Now, in, in the previous case, we we're talking about the historic uh, boxes, um, how the ornate displays. These aren't things that are just mass produced. 200 people will touch a premium cigar before it comes to market, and they'll take three to five years. These aren't something that are coming off an assembly line, and each of them are different. So, you know, there, there's a lot of things that uh, FDA regulation would entail uh, had they had premium cigars been lumped in and we didn't have these court victories uh, where, you know, testing requirements uh, pre-market authorization, things that cost millions and millions of dollars that, you know, a, a one of the big cigarette companies or big tobacco can handle. But these mom and pop, um, you know, family owned cigar manufacturers and your brick and mortar small businesses, they can't contend. With. So th this this mom and pop conversation, Josh, talking to Joshua Habersky uh, from the Premium Cigar Association. Compared to those other industries. Cigars from the manufacturing side and from the retail side, and even specifically to the retail side, because there are some larger manufacturers and group uh, ma manufacturers. This is all mom and pop. You know, we, we record our, our cigar and bourbon show from a place called Blend, blendbarcigar.com. 
they have four locations in, in Nashville, Houston, Pittsburgh, and in Indianapolis, where I happen to be right now. But four, not 4,000, four. And they're considered one of the bigger guys on the block in terms of, of, of retailers. People forget how mom and pop this is. Talk to me about the average shop. How, how many people are they employing? What, what kind of dynamic is it? Yeah, absolutely. For our membership, I mean, 83% of PCA retail members are single store owners. So they will have anywhere from three to 10 employees. There are some that it's just their business. They, they, it's a husband and wife that own a shop and they're the only employees that, you know, this is a, a couple of buddies that got together and it's a retirement gig. So you have very uh, small businesses. We represent over 3,000 across the country. And as I said before, 83% are single store retailers. So, the, and, you know, on the manufacturing side and, and, you know, the trade shows, the perfect culmination of where the industry comes together and meets our associate members, which are manufacturers, we have over 350 of those. And for the vast majority of them, they are um, you know, family-owned businesses that have been around for generations. Joshua Haberski, the Director of Federal Affairs for the PCA. Joey Chestnut is a badass. That guy is nuts. He will eat you under the table and choke you out at the same exact time. Find everything at eatdrinksmokeshow.com. Some people have been asking about the swag because we made a change to the website, so the swag has not been listed yet as for sale. We'll take care of that after we get back from the Premium Cigar Association show in Las Vegas that we're getting ready to go to. But by the time you hear this, we'll be in Vegas. So if you look at like four in the morning on the uh, in, in any casino and just look for someone playing video poker saying, come on, seven. <laughs> come on, uh, seven? I don't know. I don't know. I'm assuming that's what you're going to say. There's going to be Fingers Boy right there. Right there. Stop by. Say hello. Bring him a cigar. Joey Chestnut is the world-famous competitive eater. Mm-hmm. And he lives not too far from where we are in Indianapolis. He li- now lives in Indiana. And he is participating in the Nathan's world-famous hot dog eating contest. He won it now for the 15th time. 63 hot dogs and buns in like, was it, 15 minutes or whatever it is? And it's his 15th title in 16 years. While he is shoving hot dogs down his gullet hole... <laughs> This guy jumps up on the stage where all the competitive eaters are, and he's he, he's he's a protester. Uh, he's uh, protesting out for with with an animal rights activist group called Direct Action Everywhere. So he jumps on stage to protest and pushes. Joey Chestnut out of the way while Joey Chestnut has a mouthful of wiener. <laughs> that, that, that didn't just happen. What? A mouthful of Frankfurter. That's better. A mouthful of hot dog. <laughs> and, 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 and bumps him out of the way. And Joey Chestnut at first is like, what is that? And then realizes it's a protester. Hot dog in left hand. Mouthful of hot dog Frankfurter wiener. Right hand, right around the neck of the protester and puts him in a chokehold until security can get him and then keeps eating hot dogs. <laughs> and if you think anybody doesn't understand the importance of America, are you kidding me? 
yeah, and he was interviewed afterward, and he, he said he felt bad for putting uh, this guy in, in a chokehold. He said he was just amped up. And it was clear he was amped up because after he did that, he challenged Brock Lesnar for the undisputed WWE championship. Look at you. Look at you with a Brock Lesnar drop. I, I was going to say Hulk Hogan, but uh, it's been a tick since he's been in the ring. Should have gone with Magnificent Don Morocco. <laughs> that Jimmy Snooker. Maybe a little Georgia Championship wrestling. Mm. Go for some Tommy Wildfire Rich. Oh, wow. Some Rowdy Roddy Piper. Some Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. Chief J Strongbow. Little Chief J Strongbow or my personal favorite, Mr. Wrestling 2. Because <laughs> Mr. Wrestling, that guy was a lowlife. But Mr. Wrestling 2, stand-up guy. Do you think those two were like Gallagher? Where they fought over the Mr. Wrestling name? Just like the Gallagher brothers were like, no, I want to smash watermelons on stage. No, I want to smash watermelons. Is that, there was a brother? Yeah, there was a whole thing where uh, the Gallagher brother took over Gallagher, and then uh, there was a fight. Uh, it, it, it's a whole... It was documented in my book. Gallagher. Gallagher. A love story. <laughs> Why the angst? <laughs> uh, I, I, if you haven't seen the video... You got, we got to throw the video up on the, uh, on, on the Eat, Drink, Smoke site, eatdrinksmokeshow.com. It's just absolutely special. It, it, first of all, that we have competitive eating, just, just this, this testament to gluttony makes me feel better about myself. So is, uh, I will post this question knowing that I'm going to get a, a, a lot of hate uh, on social media for posing this question uh, because it seems to... Uh, there's a lot of passion in this argument. Is, is Joey Chestnut an athlete? Um, uh, no. He's not an athlete? Competitive eaters are not athletes? Is somebody who plays competitive chess an athlete? It depends on how many chess boards they eat in 15 minutes. <laughs> that determines whether they're an athlete or not. So not an athlete. That's That's... You know, mathletes are also not athletes. I just want to say that for all you people trying to figure out the area under the curve, still not an athlete. But people get angry about these discussions, whether it's it's competitive eating or is bowling a sport? Is is NASCAR a sport? Wait, bowling's a sport. Well, people, some people. If golf is a sport, bowling's a sport. Is golf a sport or is it a competitive activity? No, it's a sport. Competitive eating is a sport. They're just not athletes. Golfers are athletes. Bowlers are definitely athletes. It's an interesting conversation because you have people, you know, say, let's take golf. Last year, Phil Mickelson won, I believe it was the U.S. Open. He was 50. He's competing with 20-year-olds. So is that athletic or is it just it's an activity that you keep score? It's athletic. You're being ridiculous. You're trying to create a problem where there is one. I'll give you one that will create a problem. Okay. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes, of course. No, it's not. It is, of course, a it's sandwich. It's not a sandwich. It's Well, listen, I understand that you get confused about this because you don't actually have bread on your sandwiches. So I don't think that's it. You don't think that's it? Well, what is my, it about my, a hot my, dog? my denial of bread has to do with wanting to lead a happy, pain-free future. It's meat on a bun, and that's what they say. Well, that's what makes it a sandwich. But it's clearly not a sandwich. It's a hot dog because the competitive eaters may have a sandwich eating contest and hot dogs are not included. Ergo, hot dog is not a sandwich. It's a specific kind of sandwich. Like, 
it, that's much more enjoyable to watch than say uh, the Nathan's uh, Reuben sandwich eating contest that happens because that's a sandwich. <laughs> well, a hot dog. Is hot sandwich. dog is not a sandwich. See, I think the the the, the thing that really drives people crazy, uh, it, it gets people nuts on social media, is whether or not you could put ketchup on a hot dog. Well, of course, you can put ketchup on a hot dog. I agree with you. If you're eight, what do you? You know what? I don't. <laughs> I don't want this to, to drive a wedge between us, but I want you to go to hell and die. Can't put, a, can't put ketchup. Of course you can put ketchup on a hot dog. I, I put ketchup on a hot dog. Sometimes it's relish and mustard on a hot dog. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll take some sauerkraut. I'll take a little bit of the German cabbage. The German cabbage? The German cabbage. Well, I'll tell you, I got a great hot dog place we could check out in Las Vegas, Tony. You are disgusting. <laughs> Last time we are in Vegas... Finger sticks. No, no. Dinner's on me. Come on. I don't think that's how it went. Come on. Let me let me treat you. Let me treat you. Show you what a big spender I am. I don't think that's how it went. Right? 23 skidoo. Come on, kid. And takes me to a casino that's in between two real casinos. The casino <laughs> the casino actually is like three steps down and, and still has a drop ceiling. You got to bend over as you walk through it. And you walk all the way to the back. And they've got a food court. Which is just the back wall of three rest of, of three like to go places that you you couldn't trust, and Fingers Malloy buys these two hot dogs that cost maybe a buck each, mm-hmm. and I took one bite and you threw it away. Yes, I did. And keep then, in mind, a, a Costco dog is a dollar fifty, and they're and they're at least better. And then Fingers Malloy sat down and ate his hot dog. I wouldn't sit down. The place was so disgusting. <laughs> We're not going there this year. Oh. This year you're taking me to Arby's. <laughs> That's what I'm getting. Daddy's getting a Jamocha shake. Mm. Again, I'm Daddy. You know what I'm wearing in Vegas? I'm wearing my My Pillow slippers. That's my plan because they can work indoors or outdoors. In the casino, outside the casino, standing in line for a hot dog, you will love your My Pillow slippers. Two years to develop the exclusive four tier cushioning system with the patented fill from My Pillow, the comfort memory foam, the patented impact gel, the indoor outdoor sole so you can wear it in or out all day long. Quality leather suede. It's got so many colors and styles to it. Machine washable and a 60 day money back guarantee, a one year limited warranty. Regularly $139.98, you can get your MyPillow slippers for $49.98, MyPillow.com slash Tony. MyPillow.com slash Tony. Get the MyPillow slippers, the My slippers, at only $49.98. And while you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all the MyPillow products. The buy one, get one extravaganza on bed sheets, the MyPillows, and more. Visit MyPillow.com slash Tony for the most comfortable slippers you will ever own. MyPillow.com slash Tony. Our new book, Let's Go Bourbon, the bourbon reader you've always needed, is now available on Amazon.com and our website, EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. Pick up a copy today. In all of the episodes of Eat, Drink, Smoke that we have ever done from our beginning, three years and counting, I believe is where where we're at right now. Is it four years or three years? It just feels like a day. That's how good it's been. Amongst my favorites was the Four Roses Small Batch Select. I found that to be and still put that in my top 10 list. I will admit we've tried so many different bourbons that it's gone from a top three to a top five to a top 10 contender. But I find it to be the best of the Four Roses. And that's why Fingers Malloy decided, you know what? 
How about I bring you instead a little bit of the Four Roses single barrel so you can compare? Challenge accepted. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz. That right there is Fingers Malloy. Four Roses. Kieran Brewery, Brewery is what we're talking about here. Coming in at 100 proof, Fingers Malloy. Always a round of applause for anything 100 proof or higher. Got the mash bill right here. 60% corn, 35% rye, 5% malted barley. And of course, bourbon has to be 51% corn. That's the rule. This is the law, people. Bourbon is the American spirit. It does not have to be made in Kentucky. It has to be 51% corn into the barrel to certain proof, out of the barrel to certain proof. You can only add water to bring down the proof. Them, them be the rules. If there were only somewhere that they had all these rules in print where people could find that information, Tony. That is why you get Let's Go Bourbon, our bourbon reader. It's so important for your life. Without it, you will die. <laughs> how, how much more dramatic could I make this moment, Fingers Malloy? That was actually one of the endorsements on the book uh, from Abraham Lincoln. Yes. Drink this or it will hurt your head. That's what Abraham oh, Lincoln said. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Really? Uh, you never know. You, you never know. I think Four Roses does lovely work. And single barrel, right? That's that's all we're talking about here. Just a single barrel. There's there's nothing fancy uh, to, to the term uh, single barrel. It's just a... a a way of saying, all right, this is where this bourbon comes from. And you can find out all those terms, by the way, in the book, Let's Go Bourbon, which is available at Amazon.com. Fingers Malloy, let's take it to the nose right here. This is a uh, golden uh, color with just a touch of amber in it um, and, a, and a pretty lovely viscosity. Sticks to the glass pretty well, Fingers Malloy. Yeah, and on the nose, there's definitely some brown sugar there and uh, a little bit of a little bit of oak, but not a lot. And there's a citrus. I, I know sometimes we go back and forth between citrus or, or, or an ethanol, but I don't think that it comes off as, as an ethanol alcohol smell. It's more of a citrus to me. Uh, but it's it's very pleasant on the nose. First of all, I'm getting something different. I don't think you're wrong about brown sugar. I don't think you're wrong about citrus. But there's something medicinal here. The, as the great Will Ferrell would say, stings the nostrils. Ah, nice. Um, it's uh, oh, it's punching big. At hundred proof, that's punching big. We we have seen things at higher proofs that don't punch this hard. Um, <laughs> oh, he had to put it down, ladies and gentlemen. Would you say yeah. he just had a snort? I may it? have. I may. I, I I may have. But very often, what you'll find is that the nose does not match up with what you get. Just because it's a big nose doesn't mean that it's going to be a painful kind kind of bourbon. That's not it. And I, and I must admit, my I really do have an affinity for Four Roses. I like what they do all the way around. I think they have some very, very easy bourbons. I think that small batch select is just absolutely lovely. Uh, and it, it is something that's in, in my liquor cabinet. But this is my first time with the single barrel. We, we try it neat. No rock, no cube, no, no ice chips, no water, no nothing. Try it neat. And then we decide if we want to add it to the big rock or if we want to add it to ice chips or add just a little bit of, of water to it because the water will open it up. The water will bring down the proof. Just like we said, water will bring down a proof and changes the complexity of the bourbon. The Four Roses single barrel. Fingers Malloy, 
Are you ready for this? Tony, I've been ready for this all day. We do it neat and do the Kentucky Chew. Moving around the palate, trying to get a feel for it. Fingers Malloy has taken his sip right there. He has set the glass down. He looks like... He looks like... Um, I don't know what he looks like. Okay, this is interesting. So there's... Uh, a little sting on the tongue, and I won't even discuss the burn and the warmth in the chest because there there is none. Because uh, you're dead inside. That, that that's true. That sting is there, and a, as that sting subsides, you get a, a cinnamon um, note. There's uh, a little bit of licorice uh, as well. That oak is there. Uh, it's it's not as sweet as I thought it was going to be. Uh, you know, compared to what it was like on the nose. Uh, but that brown sugar is there as well. But it, it, and I know I mentioned some some sweet notes there, but it's not overwhelmingly sweet, and that's that's a good thing. I think you're going to really dig this, Tony, because you usually like more of the oaky type bourbons. I, I, to me, um, uh, that it's it's not nearly as sweet as I thought it was going to be. But you know, it could be totally influenced on what I had to eat today. So it'll be so. Let us see let us say. Uh, what say. Uh, get ready for this. The single barrel from Four Roses. Here I go, doing it neat to your health. L'chaim. There it is. That's That was a little bit of Hebrew there for you. Oh. He's going in, ladies and gentlemen. He is doing the Louisville lip. I don't even know what that is. Oh. Oh. It's weird. For a second, I got licorice. Yeah. And then it went away, and now now it's it's now it's oak. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a licorice guy. That was very 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 weird. That was a licorice that moved to oak. I, I, there 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 is a sweetness, but the citrus you get on the nose, I'm not getting on on the flavor. And let's be clear, it's it's more of a red licorice. It's not a black licorice. Yeah 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 yeah. I, I think that's right. Huh? The the finish is. The finish is a little citrusy. Yeah. Citrus oak. I don't know about you, but I think this is screaming for a cube. I can see that. Uh, screaming. You, you screaming. go ahead and do that. I'm just going to put a couple drops of cool water in it. Right on the big rock I go, baby love. Um, what, I, what I'm liking is that it's forcing you to pay attention. There's something here, and, yeah. it, and, it, and it wants to share with you. It, it's not one note. It's not monochromatic. There's a couple of pieces that are happening. And because you get something different on the, on the on the finish on the tongue there, there there's a little there's there's depth going on here. And and again, I, this is what I would expect from Four Roses. Fingers, you all right? Yeah, I put, you put a little a water in there, and, and you and look like actually, you have to go to the bathroom. Well, you, you look like you're you're Thanks. you're you're trying to Thanks keep from lot. bursting. It's too bad there's not video of this, uh, so everyone can see. Uh, but for me, the couple drops of cool water really brought out some vanilla that wasn't there before. Uh, I'm not going to say I regret putting it on, on the water in there, but I liked the it cube. better neat. Okay. Put it on the cube. Are you kidding? Right on the cube. That vanilla does come out. That citrus finish is a little bit uh, there. Maybe, maybe a little more cinnamon now on the finish. Makes it easy. This is the single barrel from Four Roses. Again, they've got me. And fingers, is it in your liquor cabinet at $40 a bottle? Absolutely. Yeah, they, they continue to win me over. They continue to do the job. This is just a nice, lovely, all-weather bourbon. The single barrel for Four Roses. Check it out. 
Have they been lying to you about beer? Telling you things that clearly are not true. Fibs, tall tales, half-truths. I don't know. I don't know. But luckily, we have America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy, to help us through it. Find everything at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. This is a list. As you know, we love a list over here at Eat, Drink, Smoke. From Eat This, Not That, and as you know, they make the worst lists imaginable. <laughs> so it makes them so great. So this is five things you believe about beer that aren't actually true. So we're going to check in with Dr. Fingers, mm. uh, a doctor of mixology and, and um, uh, other things, to see whether or not this is legit. So here's number one about beer. Beer before liquor, never been sicker. Hogwash. It is? Yes, it's complete hogwash. That's, that's how I uh, start my evening. I will have a few beers and then switch over to bourbon. And that's how I roll. And uh, listen, I, it's been years since I've had a hangover. Uh, because the other thing you have to keep in mind while you were, you know, say, say it's a celebration. You're, you're hanging out with family or friends and you know you're going to have more than just uh, one drink. You, you got to make sure that you have water along with it. You can't just be pounding drinks left and right and not drink any water and expect to wake up the next day feeling uh, fresh as a daisy. But this right here, uh, beer before liquor, no, nah, it's not true. So the key to being uh, proficient at getting blotto is hydration. Blotto? Blotto. <laughs> yes, it is. It's hydration. It's all about hydration. Number two on the list, dark beers are stronger than light beers. Myth? That, that is a myth. They're, they're absolutely correct. If you look at... Uh, Beers like Guinness, uh, that's lower on the alcohol by volume uh, scale as opposed to other beers. That doesn't necessarily mean that because your uh, beer is darker that uh, they're stronger. That, that's, right. that's Guinness the is case. a 4.2% alcohol by volume, but Budweiser is 5% alcohol by volume. But I'd much rather have a Guinness. Absolutely. Thank you. Or six. Wow. Somebody really is ready for Vegas. Well, Daddy likes his beer, and in the purposes of this conversation, I'm Daddy. Is that right? Uh, yeah. When we're going to Vegas, uh, it will be raining uh, Guinness and uh, apparently uh, Four Roses. And the Four Roses is good. And it's actually pairing quite lovely. We're doing uh, the Opus X Petite Corona, the Perfection Number no. 5, which is four and seven-eighths inches long. We have purposefully been nursing this cigar. In any other situation, this is a four and seven eighths inch cigar by a 40 ring gauge. This is a small little thing talking about some of the trends that people are seeing, people moving towards these smaller cigars, shorter cigars. In any other situation, 45 minutes, this is gone. This is a big cigar into that full category, and we're nursing it. Yeah, and I'm just into the second half. I think you're, you're correct when you say you really shouldn't even try to bother to go uh, measure it in thirds. Uh, uh, I'm in the second half, and honestly, I thought at this point it would be gone. So I'm, I'm quite happy with it. Well, you know, we, we, we do it for you, Eat, Drink, Smoke Nation. That's true. Number three on the list, beer mythology. Drinking excess beer results in a beer belly. That's not mythology. That's absolutely fact. Just makes you fat and stupid. Stupid. Bigger tell us more. <laughs> Here's the deal. I, I've always argued this. It, it, it ain't the beer, ladies and gentlemen. It's all the things that go along with the beer. If you if you say uh, a Saturday night rolls around and you're with your your pals and uh, you, you're on your your ninth beer, all of a sudden it seems like a really good idea to order a pizza. 
So you order the pizza, uh, and you're on your ninth beer, and you've been sitting on the couch for several hours. Uh, to me, that's what it is. That, that, you know, you're not just going to have one piece of pizza with your ninth beer. You're going to have six pieces of pizza. It's all the it's all the accessories that go along with the beer. It's it it ain't the beer. Number four on the list, fingers, Malloy. Beer should always be served ice cold. Depends on the beer. Depends on the beer. Uh, I had my first Pabst Blue Ribbon uh, a couple of years ago. I was uh, out with my my brother-in-law, and uh, we went to his favorite bar, and they had Pabst Blue Ribbon for 50 cents a can. And it was ice cold. I took one sip, and I thought, oh, this isn't all that bad. Uh, two minutes later, that beer got one degree warmer. I couldn't drink it. Is that right? <laughs> oh, it's terrible. But uh, no, no, Guinness, you could drink a, you know, a, a stout and not have it be ice cold and enjoy it. So I, I think that's bunk. The kids call it bunk. Is that what the kids call, yeah, they call it? They call it rock bunk. and roll music? Yeah, they yeah. call it bunk? They call it bunk. Uh, so, so we've been through four, and, and, and I agree with you. It really does depend on the beer. That's what you know will de- decides temperature. Number five. Draft beer gives you a hangover. In my life, I've never heard this. I, I have heard that, and uh, it has happened to me. Uh, so I, I tend to, to disagree uh, with the idea that that's a myth. Uh, there's a place in Indianapolis where they have towers of beer, like 110, sure. uh, 110 ounce towers. And I went uh, to watch football all day. Uh, it was 110 ounces of Bud Light for nine dollars. I was like, oh, $9? I got to do that. I may have drank two of those. Uh, two towers. <laughs> but keep in mind. Doesn't it get warm, though? No, because they have a cooling unit in the tower to keep the beer cold. Is that what they have? Yeah, so I had two towers. They have a cooling tower? Yes. Like it's the NASA shuttle? Yes. But keep in mind, I know that sounds awful. Uh, that's 220 ounces of beer. But uh, this was over the course of 10 hours of watching uh, the, the, the the first game, the second game, and into the third game. Uh it's the last time I, I was uh, I've ever been. That is over. equally sad, as sad as the two towers. Yeah. You watched nine hours of football, ten hours of football mm-hmm. by yourself. No, I was with people. Were you with people? By myself. You I'm, were by yourself, I'm weren't fing- you? No, I'm fingers Tiberius Malloy. I'm a walking party, Tony. No, I was with people, <laughs> uh, but I was hungover for two days after that and swore off trap beer unless it's unless it's uh, a stout. I don't. So I, 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 every now and again, like a beer. A, singular. I'm a Guinness guy. I'm a Porter Stout guy. If, if the mood hits me right, and a lot of things have to be right, I can have one and a half. I'm done. Mm-hmm. How are you not done? I don't understand how people go for the third drink. I don't, I can't visualize it. I can't conceptualize it. It let me just blows my mind. Let me explain uh, this uh, from a perspective of a Detroit Lions fan. Oh, you see, God! When when uh, kickoff happens, and then within ten minutes, your, you your team is begins? Yeah, your team's down fourteen points within ten minutes. Uh, that's when you reach for the draft beer tower, and uh, you enjoy the tower, and you say, "Thank you, sir. May I have another?" And uh, you know, you you drink your sorrows away. Speaking of football, what do you think of Baker Mayfield going to the Carolina Panthers? And the and the Cleveland Browns are paying half of his salary. They paid him to leave. They had to. I mean, there, there was no choice. The, the funny thing about the Cleveland Browns, uh, Cleveland Browning it up, is uh, you know they before the whole uh, controversy with the the new quarterback. I, I, I'm brain. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. They said they wanted more of an adult 
than Baker Mayfield. And then they go out and sign Deshaun Watson, which has been a complete disaster. Uh, so they, they basically tanked the market for for uh, Baker Mayfield. So they, they were like, basically, uh, we'll take a, a box of donuts and pay half of his salary to get rid of him. That's what they had to do. Because he, was, he wasn't going to stick around and bail them out. Uh, Deshaun Watson may be suspended for a whole year. Who knows? Uh, but they were prepared for that. I got to tell you, I'm not an anti-Baker Mayfield guy. I think he could throw. I think he could do good things in, in, in Carolina. Now, isn't I thought Cam Newton was back in Carolina. Yeah, but the second uh, time around failed. Oh, well, there's that. So there is a trend, a growing business. And I don't know if you associate this or attribute this to uh, Gary Vee, Gary Vaynerchuk, or, or just uh, learning as, as people create more and more videos on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, about how you can shop excess inventory from retailers and you can buy returned goods and then sell them on eBay or Amazon. Seat Drink Smoke, I'm Tony Katz. That's Fingers Malloy. Let's go bourbon, the bourbon reader you've always needed. It's available at Amazon.com. We wrote the book. We love the book. More books are coming. Let's go bourbon. It is the perfect gift. You're going to love it. Get it at Amazon.com. So when people return product, sometimes I guess the product gets reshipped out. Very often, it's just a return. And what these companies will do is they'll sell the returns. And you don't buy them by the one. You buy them by the 60. You can, and I'm on one of those sites. I get emails that you can buy trailers trailers of goods. Oh, I have, okay, I have a question before you go any further. So is it like some of these TV shows that I've seen where they do this, where it's a, you're buying a mystery palette where you don't actually know what you're buying? Yes. That, that is absolutely true. That takes some guts. But there's also uh, the, the idea of here, here. So here's uh, one of them. Um, here is a full truckload Manifested. I, I'll show you the listing. It's bath and kitchen stuff. And so in this, um, typically, hold on, wait, wait, but wait. But it could wait. be like a pallet of chafing dishes. It, it could be a pallet of chafing uh, uh, dishes. Uh, better homes and gardens, pure, Kaz, mainstay. So it gives you an idea of what's in there. It's a truckload, 26 pallets, 2,709 pieces. A bath, kitchen, and dining, home health care, and outdoor sports. Ended with a bid of $3,550. That's amazing. That's insane. I, I, listen, I, I'm not saying that everyone should have $3,000 lying around to be able to make a purchase like that or the storage capacity be, to be able to. I can't. I'm, I'm sure they don't deliver it to you, do they? Do you have to go pick it up? I'm not sure. I haven't bought one yet. Because what? What am I going to do with that much stuff? Here's one. It's a clearance. Six pallets, 345 pieces. Vehicles, trains, and remote controls. Dolls, powered pet toys, pet supplies. Right. And so, right now, the six pallets, 345 pieces. You can pick it up right now. Your bid is uh, $150. Now, who knows what it's going to go for? But this is like if you've got like a shop, you see sometimes those liquidation stores. Yeah. That's this is what they're doing. They're buying it here and they're selling it out. Basically, they've looked at Ollie's, you know, which is I think the, the granddaddy poobah of these. O-L-L-O-L-L-I-E apostrophe S. 
And they're like, we could do that. That place is so funny. You walk in and you could buy flooring or right next to it, uh, a box of Captain Crunch. It's, and it's, it's the good kind of Captain <laughs> Crunch, too. Uh, here, I'm looking at uh, uh, jewelry. Uh, right here, jewelry watches. You know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a watch guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan. So here is a palette of 2,496 pieces. This is what it's got right here. Um, it doesn't say what kind, and you can buy it for $5,515. Okay, so these are returns, but is there any kind of guarantee that these products that you're buying are not defective? Uh, they're just No. There's no, I don't believe there's any guarantee. So you could be buying uh, a pallet full of broken watches. You could be. Wow. I, thi- I, think, I think that's the, that's, that's the whole risk. That's the whole, the whole situation. It is such a great time in America uh, to be an entrepreneur, to, to work for yourself, because think, think about all the possibilities, what you're saying right now. You could, if, if you just do it out of your own home, and if it's, you know, I, don't, I won't get into the whole zoning thing, but if you could do it out of your own home, just to start off with a business like that, where you're buying a, a, a bunch of uh, products like that, not only could you have an online store where you, where you're selling all this stuff, you could also build a, a fun YouTube or Rumble channel where you're, you, you know, you're people are into seeing these unboxings of of pallets and, and things like that. Oh, what did I get today with my hundred and fifty dollars? It's supposed to be good watches. Let's see. You could, if you're successful at being able to put content together, you could have money from a uh, money stream from a, a YouTube channel, Rumble channel, or, and the the online store. You know who wants to do this? Who is that? My wife. Okay. So we made the decision years ago when we had kids that one of us had to stay home. In this case, it it, it, it was her. Because we we were willing to take, and especially at the time when we had. No money. You, I don't know if you guys know the story. I lost everything I owned in the downturn in 2008, 2009. I lost, I lost a business. I lost my house. I lost everything. And as we built back up, we still made the decision. One of us stays at home. We have children to raise. It mattered that much to us. It was more important. We'll, 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 we'll figure it out. And, and if it wasn't for my wife and Craigslist, the kids would not have had clothes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the story. So now the kids are at an age, and she's asked herself, do I, do I go back to work? Do, do I do this? What, what do I do? I mean, I st- our kids still want to be there for the kids, but there'll be a moment where they're out of the house. Do you, do you want to get into it? And then you start looking at jobs and job opportunities and the profession uh, that, that, that she's, she's in, and you realize, No. I don't want to go back to the profession. If I want to do something, I want to do something that gives me flexibility. I want to do something that gives me an entrepreneurial feel and an and edge. So she has for forever been selling things with the Nextdoor app and Facebook Marketplace and, thing, and things like a Craigslist back in the day. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I, could, I can see it. I could see how, how, this, how this comes together. How this works. I, I don't quite know, think I could buy a pallet, but I think I could do this. I'm organized enough. I could see it. I could visualize it. I could share the story. So she's, she's starting to think about it. We're trying to figure out how logistically it would work because you can't, can't buy a trailer, but maybe we could buy a pallet. 
But man, if you buy the wrong first pallet, you're going to have that stuff for a long time. Yeah, you are. Uh, but it's amazing you brought up Craigslist, and I don't is Craigslist even a thing anymore? Because you know, mar- marketplace from Facebook is is really starting to dominate. You know, in the next door app and, and things like that. I do people even go to Craigslist anymore? I I I have to assume. I have to assume they go to Craigslist still. Well, I mean, I mean, there's got to be a, a reason for it and, and, a, and a place for it well, outside my, of just you know selling sex. But but <laughs> but MySpace still exists and nobody goes to MySpace anymore. You know who owns MySpace now? Will Ferrell, Timberlake. Get He's, out. He owns a piece of MySpace. Well, MySpace still gets good traffic, especially for if music. you own a band. Yeah, yes. if you own a band, if you're in a band, or if you own a band, you bought it on a pallet. Uh, you can still you can still go to MySpace and it's quite popular. But I I, I I love the idea of how people have kind of taken to this and they're they're trying a thing. And I I love entrepreneurial spirit. I love when people put themselves out there. Well, I mean, we just got through the pandemic where a lot of people uh, were forced to work from home, and now they have to make a decision as businesses decide whether or not they're going to force their employees to go back to work. A lot of people got used to staying home, and they're trying to figure out a way to be able to make money staying at home. So this is a great option. I'm one of those people. I mean, doing radio, I mean, my my home setup. I, I don't go back to 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 the building, to the station. Mm-hmm. I do it. I do it from home, and you know, thank goodness I get left alone. Makes me very, very <laughs> only here, only for Eat Drink Smoke Nation do I actually come out and do the show in person with you, Fingers Malloy. And it's in a cigar lounge, so it's not a bad, not a bad spot. We're going to Vegas, people. We'll be at the Premium Cigar Association. Be sure to go to EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. You'll see videos, you'll see reviews, you'll see interviews. We're gonna have stuff up immediately, updates from every single day, and uh, video of Fingers Malloy possibly playing video poker. T. Go to Eat Drink Smoke Show. Dot com and you will see it all. Uh, guys, uh, so very excited. Thrilled that you're with us. Tony Katz, Fingers Malloy, EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. Take care. Follow Eat Drink Smoke on social media, on Twitter, at Go Eat Drink Smoke, on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Eat Drink Smoke, and Instagram, at Eat Drink Smoke Podcast.